This is a fun guy podcast where we are all fun guys. We are fun guys. And if you listen, you are a fun guy also. Very fun. And welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am here, your Dungeon Master. My name is Paul, and we are ready to embark on the second half of our Champion's Journey. Yeah, boy. Featuring two of our patrons. Patrons. <laughs> featuring two of our patrons. Oh, yeah. Uh, and why don't we just real quickly go around the table and uh, introduce ourselves. Hey, guys. It's Jeremy. I'm playing Sutsaurus. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Gus. The fun guy. He's a fun guy. <laughs> He's a real fun guy. My name is Brayden Sajbrojas, and I will play Vildebro. Vildebro. Oh, Debro. I'm Walker, and I play Heath Fairfax. The vampire. <laughs> <laughs> the vampire. It would appear. Vampire. <laughs> a lot of things happening really quickly there in the final moments of last episode. Let me give you just a really, really quick recap of what happened last time on Schmake Believe Champions. Dragon Ball Z. Last time. Last time our four adventurers came together, Saul, Vildebro, and uh, Heath, they came upon something weird happening uh, around the edge of the canopy in Fallen Grove, which is now covered in ice and snow, of course, and has sunk into a giant pit in the middle of the earth. Somebody fell out of a rotted tree carcass, if you want to call it that. Mm. And it's this little seemingly gnomish, rotted, undead fungus dude with a mushroom sticking out of an eye hole where there used to be an eye. He calls himself Gus. He's a fun guy. Anyway, okay. long story short, they started to descend <laughs> deeper within the chasm that is now what used to be the canopy. They came across uh, undead people. They came across one shop owner who was really confused and then told them um, that if they wanted to find out what happened, they needed to go deeper. He was distraught. But then in his last moment, he before they left, he warned them, if you hear the drum, run. drums, it's you. Better run, boy. <laughs> run, run, better run. Uh, so they, they, they took that to heart and made their way down deeper. And then they finally came to a part where they were crossing a big wooden concourse of course half rotted covered in these big black vines and as they were crossing over the vines the vines came to life and tried to grab them but they were too swifty oh those yeah. vines couldn't keep up uh so as they fought these undead just kind of slaying them right and left and gus had them all wrapped up in the vines heath killed one slaying it where it stood and then turned as saul lit his rapier alight with paylor's light and stabbed another but what he did not expect is that the radiant glow 40 foot radiant glow of his burning rapier that it would inflict a sort of pain on his new pal Heath who then turned looking at Saul and bared his vampiric teeth. But that wasn't all. At that moment all of the undead beings around the room, not counting Heath of course, knelt down bowing their faces to the floor and covering the back of their heads and also Gus. At the sound of the loud reverberating We ended as the four of you turned to see a dark presence approaching <laughs> from behind at the opening of this room. What do you do? Run. I think we should get out of here. What is that? 
Should we run? I... This... This thing... We were told to run when we see it. Yeah, is that a friend? There's a sort of black, <laughs> acrid smoke pouring in through the uh, uh, the entrance behind you guys, filling the room. Let's go. Saul's running. Yeah, let's head the opposite way, if there's a way like that. There is. There is an exit on the other end. We, we uh, run that way. You all run that way. The vines are not trying to attack you because your homeboy here took care of that, thanks to Gus. All the other undead, mm. including the one that you recognize from deep inside your mind, Gus. Falara also is kneeling down. Uh, you run toward the end. Uh, we'll say that since we'll go with the same marching orders before, we'll say Saul's in the front because I think he looked back at Walker. Walker moved. Yep. Saul is in the front, Heath behind him. Gus in the rear with Vildebro as the third, and you all reach the end. The door is partially covered with broken down debris, and it is only large enough for one person to squeeze through at a time. Saul, you immediately start trying to squeeze through? Yeah, immediately. He does not hesitate. You're trying to squeeze through. You all hear a thump. Those of you who are still in the room, as Saul squeezes through the opening, turn back and you can see more and more of this black, acrid smoke pouring into the room. And it seems like there's something stirring inside of it. Stirring? We need to go. Heath, you go? Yeah, the second that there's room, he slides in. Heath, the moment he's out of the way, you start pushing through. And it's a little tighter of a squeeze for you. You have to, it's, it's, you know, you're moving as quick as you can, but it's literally got you pinched. You're pushing through. Uh, Vildebro, you and Gus are standing there. Vildebro, you look back. More of this smoke has filled the room, and you can hear another boom, and it is just reverberating inside this whole room. Not good. And you're hearing the cracking and creaking of wood being torn apart as this thing is trying to squeeze through the small opening at the other end of the room. Do you go through? I, as quickly as possible, squirm my way through. All right, Gus, your boy squeezes through. This smoke is rolling across the room towards you. You jump through. I say, come on, my friend, to the one that I fungally infected. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. And then I squeeze through. You get through. Your fungal zombie guy is behind you trying to get through as well. Uh, You are all through, and you are in like a hallway. It's running down at an angle. You take off running? Yep. Burst speed running. Fast as you can down the hall. Did Heath make it in with us? I missed that. Yeah. Heath was right behind you, yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're all through. Cool. I don't know if I'm okay with that. Take off running down this hallway. You are running, and you can hear the boom behind you again, and you hear the sound of, of crashing and breaking as if something is just tearing through that room back there. Pushing through, running, you run. Uh, there's, a, there's another small door at the other end of this hallway. You bust through that, and... You are in another room now, and it is broken off like some that you've seen so many times before. Uh, it's just like hanging off the ledge. You see below you a building, but it's just like a flat platform. Like you can't see any doors or anything like that. It looks like what might be actually like the bottom of a building turned completely upside down, hanging onto a tree beneath you. It's probably a 20-foot hop down, but you can hear the crashing and the thumbing and at this exact moment hear something that sounds something like a roar coming from behind you. Well, that's no good. What do you do? Is it survivable drop? (laughs) Yeah, it's survivable drop. I'm jumping. I'm going down. You're going to take a little damage if you jump, but it it is survivable. It's not going to be too bad. Uh, It looks like we have one choice, gentlemen, and Saul's going to leap. You know, I'm coming with you. I jump next. How far is it? It's about 20 foot. I'll jump off. Heath? Heath looks back and 
he tries to catch a glimpse of what's making that noise, and then he jumps. All you can see is shadow and darkness and smoke. And you jump. And when you jump, uh, I'll tell you what I'm going to do out of the kindness of my heart. Everybody give me an acrobatics check. The kindness of your heart. To see if you can kind of land lively. Isn't he kind? Yeah, just so kind. I, I appreciate you. Okay, I'll take that. That's a 22 for me. 11. Mm. Okay. <sighs> what about uh, Builderbro? Uh, let's just skip me. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a natural one, was it? No, it wasn't. I rolled a four, though. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, Gus? Uh, so I got a nine total. Nine. But I want to use a feature. Okay. Knowledge from a past life. Okay. And you can roll a d6 and add the number rolled to the check if you use the skill. Give it a shot. Okay. So that makes it a ten total. You rolled a one. Yes, I did. Schwan. That's not very helpful, huh? <laughs> nope. Schwan. Okay. Those of you who rolled over a 14, which yeah. is just Saul, Ugh. are going to take half damage. And everybody who rolled under that is going to take full damage. Lucky for you guys, I rolled two d6s, and I only rolled four. So, that's all you're going to take two. The others are going to take four damage. Lovely. I'm very nearly dead. Very nice. What is your health right now? <laughs> 19. You need some health. I'm worse off than you are. Y'all y'all might need some help. Has anybody got any healies? I do. You are landed on this platform, uh, and you... I guess my fungus friend died. Your fungus friend. He had one hit point. I keep forgetting about him. He had one hit point? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll let him roll. I'll let him roll. See if he can stay alive. Now he rolled a three. (laughs) Unfortunately, your fungus friend uh, misses the platform and just falls plummeting down into the pit. Oh, God. Amazing. He's just a little... He was a little too slow. Poor guy. Maybe Maybe you'll have another chance. He was a fun guy. (laughs) (laughs) You look up and you can see the smoke pouring out from that thing up there. But after a couple of moments, it uh, it sort of like stops and the creaking and the crashing and everything stops. Uh, Mm. But you can hear the single thumb of a drum far ahead above. So we have we have a moment to like just sit for a second or for what like we got away essentially or i mean you could still see up there it just it doesn't seem to be coming in this direction right now all right fangs okay surely you're no paladin of paylor or prevalian what's your deal and i'm still going to be looking for a way to move further down if i can i was raised by prevalian's elves and they taught me magic so I started dabbling with that, and it went south, and it turned me into a vampire. <coughs> so I've been wandering Manumi, searching for, for a cure, which led me here. Cure for undeath? Wow. I mean, I have the cure in holy fire. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a pretty bad curse if you, if you can't even find uh, how to be normal again, huh? Yeah, it's... It gets to me sometimes, and it's it's getting worse. Yeah. 
Well, you're not going to, like, bite us or anything, are you? Who knows? Sometimes I can't control it. Oh, great. We're going to be murdering our own party members. Don't worry. We'll keep a great close eye on you. He is a good friend. <laughs> does it, does it not on, sound Gus. like it, Gus. Come on, Gus. Does not sound like it. Come on, Goose. You guys hear another one of those drums? Saul is moving. We walk. We're walking. We're, we're trotting. Looks like a hole in this floor you can climb down into. Sounds can good. Saul is jogging that way. I climbed down into the hole. You, you hop down in this little hole. You kind of wiggle your way down in there. You're inside a wooden room. Uh, you look around. It's pretty simple. Standard looking small room. There, uh, It's all upside down. It's completely upside down. You are now on the roof of this or the ceiling of this room. Uh, and off to one side, there seems to be a staircase that leads inside the tree trunk that this room is attached to. That is, that you guys could see from above, is literally like sticking straight down toward the bottom of the chasm. It's like it's standing on its head. Okay. And you guys are now inside of that tree trunk. Uh, Gus, give me a wisdom saving throw. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a 19 plus 8. Okay. 27. Okay, so you look around and you immediately are uh, faced again with these flashes of memory. And you can see people that you know uh, sitting around you inside this room talking, eating. As in your mind you know it to be one of the gathering rooms of Belief Guard. Interesting. Interesante. This is my friend's gathering place for the leaf guards. You feel sad. We were bros. <laughs> and then a disgusting yellow tear falls out of his eye. <laughs> you got the disgusting part right. You can stop crying now. <laughs> no, I can't. I think we'd all appreciate it. You know <laughs> that if you were to go through that staircase, this will lead you right in the direction of the Corrine. Oh. If we are going for the Corrine, these stairs is the way to go. That is exactly where I need to go. I know the way. You, you know the way. Yes. I suppose we should start heading over there. Yep. You uh, head over. Like I said, it's all upside down. So the stairs are on the ceiling, and the floor is more or less like a slide. Uh, you know, it's just like curved curved ceiling and so you kind of scoot your way down and you come to a couple more of these rooms you come to one room that looks like a sort of uh, like a holding cell there are a number of these jail cell type things in there with this petrified wood there are some of those undead a couple inside these cells that you see in there reaching out toward you you deal with them or do you leave them um i think we're dealing with them as we go Okay, so y'all execute a couple of them? Yeah. Better not have these get loose behind us. That's probably fair. Couple dead zombies there. Um, I want to use my reaction. Oh, no. To make them... Friends. Friends. (laughs) They are now friends. How many? Two. Okay. I gotta say, you're a fun guy, buddy. Yeah, we are friends. You're so fun. (laughs) You continue. You all go down the slide. You've got your fun friends with you, your new uh, Zambi pals. You're traveling down. You know, you're getting deeper and deeper, and that feeling in your chest that you've had, that sort of 
always present driving um, urge in your chest to go down, down, down is getting stronger and stronger. And now it's not like, you know, it's like I almost feel this thing. No, no, it, it is ever present in your mind. Like there is something nearby that is calling to you. You reach the end of the sort of staircase and there's like a little ceiling there and you step on it and there's a door and it's kind of, it's mostly shut but one of you can kind of knock it open. You knock it loose and open and when you do, you see that this part of the tree is open. We'll see like this, you're literally inside of a tree. Like this is a staircase going up inside of a tree. And there is a, there are a number of these branches coming up, uh, like roots up and out from below you. And below you, you see that you have now reached what looks like the bottom of this chasm. You can see below you what looks like part of this, of a tree ripped off. And atop it, there is a uh, sort of large domed structure. It looks like it was once covered. It's, it looks covered in what looked like these once beautiful, like translucent leaves woven into a dome around this building, which Vildebro, you and Gus both recognize as the sanctuary of the Corrine. But now these large translucent leaves that once wrapped around it and protected it, they're like ripped apart and dangling, torn like dishonored flags of orange, red, and yellow. Hmm. Now this is a sight. You will have to climb down here along these branches and roots that lead up through it to reach the bottom. But you can. You can climb down through and you will reach the broken but still held together roof of the Corrine. And you can climb your way down into it. Is that what you do? Yeah. This place looks important. It was. Where are we? You come down and you're not actually in the sanctuary. The way that the the branches that are, are stuck down into it the way they lead you, you come into what looks like a small sort of like um, almost like an office. You know, there's part of a... Everything's kind of beat up, but it doesn't look as beat up as a lot. I mean, you'd imagine the Corrine probably fell straight down here. It was a big crash, but it didn't... It's been sitting down here for a while. You can tell there's moss and, and, and dirt and different things, fungus grown up all around inside here. Uh, but you see, it looks like it's been kept a little better. Wow. And as you turn and say that, what is this place? Where are we? Someone comes stepping into the room. Oh, my. Uh-huh. No. A short figure. Thin. Wearing what look like nice clothes, but they're dirty. Okay. But, and you know, I mean, you expect, you've, you've done this now. You've been, you've, you've done the same thing a few times now. It's some sort of undead. Very short, probably a little over three and a half feet tall, maybe. Uh, brown hair. Uh-uh. Uh, kind of long and shaggy now. No. And he steps up looking at you all and he says, oh, what, what are you doing here? Uh. Who are you? Uh, How did you get here? Do I, I, I'm Sutsaurus. Do I know you? I am Vildebro. We are friends. Gus. Yes. Roll me a save. Wisdom. Save time. It's a 16 total. Good enough. You say we are friends, uh, and this halfling looks at you and he goes, "What? Oh, oh, oh no, not not one of you!" And you recognize him. It's Paldo. What? <gasps> Is he undead? Oh my goodness! 
Hello, friend Paldo. He is thinner, much thinner than the last time you saw him. His eyes look a little bit sunken in, and he looks kind of tired. He's got a short sword on his hip and a shield, a wooden shield across his back, but he does not in any way seem to be dead or undead. Hello, friend Paldo. Uh, uh, wait. How do you know my name? We are friends. You're no friend of mine. Who are all of you? I'm the caretaker of the Corrine. It's my job to protect this place. Uh, the Corrine. That's where I'm tr- I'm trying to find this place. You seem like you didn't do too good of a job. He cuts his eyes at Vildebro. <laughs> we are leaf guard bros. He's a mindless fungus. He looks at you. He sees the leaf guard armor on your chest. Are you one of the, the leaf guard? Yes, we are friends, Paulo friend. Look out for him. He'll attack you. He's he's one of them. Yes and no. The other ones, they don't talk. You know, the rest of them just try to kill you, but he's not trying to kill us. Um, The Corrine is... I'm looking for the place where Atonia passed. I'm looking for my friend, Jilly. You see a shadow across his face. Uh, Jill Hicks? Jelly, yes. She's not here. Where Do you know where she is? I don't. What a shame. I haven't I haven't seen anyone living in months. Months. Why are you all here? What? So you probably haven't seen Ellen win anytime. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Ellen win. Why are you all here looking for for Jill? But why would you you came all the way down here looking for her? I are looking for friends. I was sent on a mission to save Fallen Grove and I didn't make it in time. But I know my friend Jill was here, and I need to find where Atonia had passed. Paul, how how long do you say that we've been going on uh, on this quest? Uh, like, how long have we been down here? Has it been just like like two hours, or has it been like it's, yeah, a few hours, a few hours, I would say. Okay, no no time to like get tired or exhausted at all, huh? Other than all the damage you've taken, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, look, the 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 Corrine is is just inside here, um, just down the hall. But you don't want to you don't you uh, you don't want to go you don't want to go in there. I do. I need to. No, 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 no. Things things like this thing. He says, pointing at Gus, but rabid, angry. My uh, and he looks a little bit uh, like a shadow crosses his face. My friends are in there. They're not my friends anymore. It's just me. Do you know what destroyed this place? Oh, so that's it, is it? You've come for the shard, haven't you? Vildebro perks his ears. I have. It's the only thing, perhaps, that can kill a god. It caged a god. I need it. You can try. There's something down here with us. Have you all not seen it? We've come across it. Is that a friend? No. I, I don't think so, Gus. Uh, who are you? How do you know me? I am a friend. What's your name? I am Gus. No. 
I don't know a Gus. If you know me... A fun guy. No. Who are you? Um... I am Gus. A fun guy. Can I do an insight? Uh, sure. To see if he actually knows or not? Okay. Or whether or not he's lying to us? Okay. Uh, 10 plus 5, 15. He don't have a clue. He seems genuinely confused. Darn it. Like, Gus has always got... He's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. <laughs> but you do also feel like sometimes when he just, like, pops up with memories and information, like when he calls out Paldo, he sounds different. Hmm. Almost, like, in some ways, almost like a different person. Paldo, are you here alone? I have been alone for a long time. Well, like I said, I have friends, but they're... You know, at first, they were... It's like they were alive. It's like they could remember, but the longer it's gone, the less themselves they've become. <sighs> Saul looks at fun guy. Like, oh boy. <laughs> There's something down there in the Corrine, in the sanctuary. Something powerful. The shard. I think it caused all this. I don't know how, but I I've tried to go... But every time I go in that sanctuary, the dead awaken, and then I hear the drum. <sighs> yeah, but the shard perhaps could kill the drum. Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, look at me. You'll be an excellent person to fight alongside two paladins, a fun guy, and another devil. I think it worked out perfectly. <laughs> this is Vildebro. He's one of my battle mages. We can handle some undead. Uh, give me a persuasion check. Bow, bow, bow. I have a question. Yeah. The the fun guy, the two fun guys that I have as mm -hmm. friends with me. Oh, oh yeah. Are they just like zombies? Are they? Do they have a challenge rating or a, a level of what they were or anything? They're just zombies. Yep. Just standard. Zambies? Yeah, the first one I rolled was just a five, so that's a an eleven. Look, I, I don't know what I can do, but I, I'll I'll lead you down there. Okay, I'll, I'll show you the way. You guys don't look so great. Yeah, if there's a place we can hole up for a moment, that would be good. Um, you can hole up in here for a moment if you need to tend to your wounds. Yep. I think that sounds very nice. I'm over here bleeding, just like like gashes and everything in my head. I don't remember you being so weak, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, this stinking plane is nowhere near as good it as it literally stinks, though, doesn't it? It's It's got an odd odor to it, especially here. And the meat. They say it's expensive meat, and it's so pathetic. Never bloody enough. It was much better when you could go and kill it yourself and just engorge on it. Wow. <laughs> this is all conversation as Saul's going to the safe place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're all, you're all right there in the room with him where you've been, been this whole time. There's like a place, you know, it's, there's, this is where he's been sleeping. So, I mean, you guys can rest in here and tend to your wounds if you want to spend some hit dice, take a short rest. You've got a short respite here to do that. So, if you guys want to use any hit dice and such, click the short rest button, go ahead and do that, and then we will press on. Okay. Um, while I am tending to my wounds, yes. Uh, my mind is, or uh, Vildebo's mind is still very. Uh, hazy and still doesn't remember a lot of what happened when he left. Mm -hmm. So he, he wants to go over to um, he wants to go over to Saul. Saul, I when I left I I remember there being a catastrophe. I remember something big and 
There was a Forsaken army. It came from the center. Ah. Uh, from the Forsaken circle. I... I don't recall what you're... I don't... No, it's... It was something with your sister. I... I don't so, remember much. Did you go with her? I left around the same time she... She did? What There was something that happened. I... Mm, she betrayed me. Uh, left me for dead. We went to rescue our mother and then, poop, gone. She was supposed to show up in the final hours. Any of that ring a bell? Lots of memories. Lots of memories just flood back. Uh, just remembering all that happened. Remember being there. Just all of it happening. And when, when he unlocks a lot of that, mm. he, he feels, Paul, he feels conflicted. Okay. Remembering how 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 much of a uh, a servant he was to to Setsaris at that time, and and how he gave his fealty to him, and he begins to question a lot of things that he's doing at the moment. So he goes, "Saul, I I didn't want to I didn't want to say much, but he's going to cast message. Oh, and I I talk with um." Saul directly and I say, Saul, I, I'm not here to save a daughter of a benefactor. Ah, so you're a liar. I, my prince, I apologize. I, I've lost a lot of meaning coming here to this plane and I, I've been trying to find it again. And I feel like maybe I can find that with you. Do you even know why you came to this plane? I came to leave. I didn't have much planned, but I know that when I did, I I lost a lot of my desire to even continue on. So why are you in Fallen Grove? He he has he's hesitant for sure, uh, but after a while, he he speaks. He says, "I heard about the shard. I know about it. <laughs> I." And who sent you to get it? He's so well hidden. I he's only recently started coming out. I don't I don't know if you'll know the name. It's Do you know who the shade is? Saul is like pulls his rapier out and lays it across his lap and pulls up Venrea's dagger in the other hand. What did you just say to me? I uh I he's He's confused. He's really confused. I... What is... What's the issue? What, is there something wrong? The shade. <sighs> yes. He, There's quite a history there, yes. You'll have some unfinished business. Yeah. <laughs> There's some unfinished business there, for sure. I I didn't know that he was not necessarily, I suppose, a good person. I, I know that he seeks this shard for himself to... I, I don't know, possibly to... I... All I know is I am I am meant to go and find it and I suppose bring it back to him. Have you seen Misk since you've been on this plane? I I haven't. I I only I've only recently bumped into you. I I don't I don't even think I've seen any tieflings recently. Misk was held under a blood contract. Yeah. When he hears that, um the cloak that kind of wreathes around him. From time to time, kind of for flavor, he just kind of like comes out and starts. You can tell he's getting a little upset at that. I suppose that this imbecile 
is not necessarily of good nature, huh? Neither are we, but we at least have a have a code. I'm just trying to find out where your loyalties lie and whether I should take your ears now or later. <laughs> and he chuckles at that because he, he knows that that this is his uh his personality, this is his characters. So he he looks directly into Saul's eyes and he says, My prince, forgive me for my earlier hesitance in, in following you, but my loyalties will always lie with you. I will I will always follow you. To my death even. <laughs> do I believe him? <laughs> do I need to do an I mean, insight? insight check. Is, is he being up and up? You don't have to. It's up to you. Can I persuade him? Uh sure. You got a nineteen. You got a nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a three. Uh <laughs> Uh, he, uh, so, so are you being honest? Yeah. Okay, you believe him, Saul. Okay, cool. Well, we won't take your ears today. We'll see how your loyalty fares in the next so many rooms. Paulo comes up to you all. Have you, uh, have you gotten the rest you need? Yeah, I did a short rest and spent my hit dice. I feel good. <laughs> well, I guess... Thank you, friend. <laughs> Again, I don't know you. Or the three other zombies walking around back there? Yeah, he's expressed his concern about those during the break, but you've all assured him that they're seemingly harmless. These are my friends. He, he like, steps right up to you, Gus. I don't know you. You don't even know who you are. Hey, I'm Gus. No, you're not. Or at least you didn't used to be. And he's like looking right in your eyes. Uh-uh. Yeah, you're one eye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if, uh, let's 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 go. Uh, but remember, when we go in here, if you all start, it's probably going to come here. Okay, so where do you normally go whenever it comes here? I run, I don't I don't go in there. I, when I hear the drum. I flee. I run and hide in here, and it usually leaves. Okay. It usually leaves if you just leave the room. In here? If you come in here, it usually leaves? If I leave everything alone in there, it leaves. So this room is special somehow? No. It is, it is, it is protecting that thing in there, that shard. And when I get close to it, it comes. If you touch it, it will come for you. At least that's what I think. Mm. So are you going or not? I'm going. I'm ready. Shall we? He turns and walks through the door. There is a hallway. It's dark. You come to the end of the hallway and you step out into what is the Corrine. Oh boy. It's dark in here. It's freezing cold. Ooh. It's colder than anywhere you've been so far. Vampire, stay away from my light. <laughs> Will do. Inside this once lush and inviting sanctuary, everything has turned black. The wood beneath your feet is rotten and spongy, but hard enough for you to walk on because of the freezing cold. Parts of those great mushrooms and trees which had grown up during the ceremony of the Equinox, which none of you were here for, but 
they still remain. There are chunks and pieces of these things that are broken and rotten down. The smell, it, the stink of this room is awful. It smells of rot and death. And in the center of the room, there is a large platform, but out of that platform grew a huge tree when the archdruid was beginning the incantation to start the process. And that tree is broken off, and growing up out of it is a stump platform. Oh, no. It's a broken-off trunk. It's black, dead, frozen. But now, as you step out, you look at it, you can see, lodged into the front of this dead tree trunk, is something. It looks like a long piece of black material, like the shaft of a weapon driven into it. And something black and dark green is oozing out of the trunk around it. Lovely. Around the sword? Around the, the weapon that's, that's stuck into it. The weapon. Yeah. I'm right behind you, Sol. All right, gentlemen. This is, this is, this is as far as I'm going to go. Aldo says, kind of, kind of stepping back a little bit. When, when Atonia died... There was an explosion like nothing I've ever seen. I, I don't even know how I survived, but it sent that thing right there flying, and it stabbed into the tree, the great tree of the Corrine. It's what he brought here and killed her with. Thank you for showing us the way. He steps back and, and then takes off at a run. That looks cool. I'm grabbing the weapon. Can I remember my favorite animal? <laughs> uh, what would you, what would it have been? An ape. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why are you going to try to turn into one? Well, let's let's wait a minute, and then if you want to do that, I will let you. Okay. Gus, you are definitely drawn to this thing. Yeah. It's kind of like you, honestly, Gus. In your head, it's like you got two natures. One is a fun guy. <laughs> mm. The other one keeps creeping up and making you think about things you don't want to think about. Remember things you don't want to remember. Things about like your past life and stuff that you've only ever remembered just like broad strokes and nothing specific. But now it's like you're you're reliving these things and it's painful. You don't want to do that. But both of them are telling you to go. You take off you take off walking toward it? Yes. You all feel the same compulsion. It's that compulsion you felt this whole thing, this whole time, something calling out to you. And you want to walk toward the tree. Yeah, Saul's, Saul's going for it. You walk toward the tree. Gus walks a little faster. He He's in front of you. And the moment you guys get within 15 or so feet of this trunk, people start rising up off the floor all around it. Probably 20, 30. Some of them are cloaked in black cloaks. They look to be something like halflings, but undead. Some are tall, some are short. You see a handful with leaf guard armor. You see some that look like they're just wearing rotted old regular clothes. But then one steps up in the front of them, and uh, oh. it's a female. It's very short, gnomish, about your height, Gus. And she, she like, rises up off the floor right in front of you and kind of, like, stops you with a hand up. She draws from her waist a sword. She's adorned with leaf armor, which is torn and blackened with rot and ice. She steps forward holding up the sword and she says, Who are you and what is your business with the dead? I am Gus, a friend 
You should not have come here. I am a fun guy. I am Sarus, Paladin of Paylor. We are the guardians of the shard. And when she says that, all of the undead around her chant the shard. The shard. No one may touch it. No thieves, no vagabonds. It is a monument to our goddess who was slain by the shard. And they all say, the shard. The shard. We protected this land in life, and now we will preserve it in death. We're trying to save her husband, Dervetter. We need the shard to to kill the one who killed her. She holds the sword up towards you, Gus. The shard. Roll me a wisdom saving throw. No. That's a 19 plus 8, 27. Oh, nice. Dang, dude. You're so good at those, man. You've nailed those every single time. I know. You know her. Her name is Minnie Timbers. Oh, Minnie. Wait. Hello, Minnie, friend. She's had this look in her eye, like a glazed look as she's been talking to you. But as you say that, like her eyes clear a little bit. And the sword kind of falters a little bit. And she says, I, I know you. Don't I? We are friends. Her sword kind of goes down by her waist. I I know you, don't I? Yes. You go forward? Yes. You approach the shard? Yes. You grab the spear? Yes. You pull it out? Yep. Uh-oh. Oh, no. You pull it out, and there is a blinding light that shines. Why did we not stop them? We all just let them do it. I mean, I, no one said a thing. No one said a word. There's a blinding light that shines off the end of it. It's dark in here, and it's like it's like hurts your eyes. But your eyes adjust, and you can see that on the end of this blackened spear handle, there is a small shard of stone, some kind of stone, and it is glowing. Oh, no. When you pull it out, there is almost like a fog of orange light coming off of it. And as you are holding it and this orange light shines on you and around you, Gus, you remember exactly who you are. Who are you, Gus? You grow. No, no, no. It's like the fungus in your limbs and your feet, your arms, your legs. They, like, help reshape you to the form that you're suddenly remembering in your mind. Hair grows back on your head. Long, dark hair and pointy ears. And you remember your name. Nephile. <gasps> what? No! Hey, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> but there's, a, there's two minds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know who you are. And now, with the shard in your hand, they all know who you are. And Minnie, like, takes a knee. They don't. These three don't necessarily know who you are. But Minnie takes a knee. And then you hear the drum. New phone, who dis? What? The drum rocks the walls. And the ceiling is blown out above you. You hear a roar, a reverberating roar. All the undead things around you except for a few, fall down, covering their heads as this thing lands with a crash onto the ground in front of you in a smoke cloud of black, green, and deep, deep purple. Out from it comes a 
of the drum. And you realize now that the drum isn't a drum as the smoke clears. You see standing before you an enormous, barrel-chested, fiery demon lord. Oh. Amazing. A balor. It's wreathed in purple flames. Oh, yeah, you two definitely recognize it. It is a balor. Wow. We're all dead. But it is wreathed in these purple flames, but it doesn't look right. It looks like it's covered in moss, it's covered in fungus, and it looks rotted. It is a rotted balor. Oh, no. <laughs> How freaking cool. Got a whip in one hand, a sword in the other, and it roars facing you. It's roll initiative. Are we strong enough to fight one of these things? Uh, a fully fledged, like standard, run of the mill, Baylor demon. No, this is a this is a customized Ooh, version uh, of it. Extra spice. Yeah, super spice. I like a spice. But you may still not survive. I'm sure I won't, for sure. <laughs> this this is not going to be easy. Uh, but we need to hit the ground running. Let's do it. What's everybody's initiative? Six. Build a bro. Uh, seven. Oh no, guys. <laughs> We're gonna die. Saul. Yep. What you got, Saul? I got a whopping nine. Oh my soul. <laughs> You're gonna let it go first and insta kill one of us. Please. I mean, you can just consider Please. it that we're just Please. in complete dread of the fact of what we see in front of us. We'll be fine, right? See here. Oh no, guys. <laughs> oh no! It got a it got a twenty one on initiative. So yeah, and here's where Saul does. <laughs> it's definitely going first. Not on my watch. Okay. Here we go. Yay. First thing that happens, it's about 30 feet away from you. It comes walking forward, shambling almost forward towards you. Uh, how are you guys spread out? I mean, uh, we're going to say Gus. Gus is back against the thing. You guys are between it and him. He's going to go for those of you that are right up in the front. There's three of you there. Oh, no. Uh, which is handy because he's going to make three attacks. <laughs> Great. He's going to attack Saul with his longsword. He's going to miss. Please be gentle. What's your armor class? 15. Wow, he actually does miss. Yes! Nice. Yes! Very difficult for him to miss, too. I bet. <laughs> uh, he swings and misses. You dodge. He swings at... What'd you roll a two? Heath. <laughs> Uh-oh. What's your armor class, Heath? 16. He got a 16. Oh. So, Oof. he got you. Okay. Oh, boy. So, he's coming at you with a long sword. I'm going to need more dice. It's <laughs> not good. I think I'm going to die right it's now. It's not good. Take 13 damage. Slashing. You're also going to take a bit of this, too. No, no. <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That's not bad at all. You're only going to take four lightning damage. Oh. So his sword, as it slashes you, it reeks your body with lightning. So that really wasn't too bad. This ain't good, boys. It's not good. Oh, then he's going to attack with his whip. Be nice. Please. He's going for Gus. Oh, is he? Try me, boy. Gus, what's your armor class? I think it's 14. That's a hit. So... Woo! Max damage. Oh, wow. 18. Wow. Yeah, no. Dang. Uh, I need you to make me a strength saving throw. I'm going to pull you in, boy. So that is a 10 total. Okay. You are yanked toward him. Mm. You just come flying toward him. Uh, I'm going to say that you're knocked prone in front of him. Prone. Luckily for you, that is the end of his turn. I got a surprise for him. Heath, it's your turn. What's it going to be, boy? I'm going to use my longsword. 
and okay. go for this bad boy. I didn't ask no you guys. Go for it. Yeah. 27? Yeah. Nice. Golly, man. <laughs> He's just so beefy. <laughs> he really is. And it's like, it's all in D&D Beyond. Like, I just keep seeing like 25, 26, 27 pop up here. So that's 10 from the sword and then... What level did you cast that? First or second? First. So 18 damage. So 18 total? Yep. Okay. You hit him for 18. Then what? Uh, I back away just a little bit, like 10 feet. You can do a secondary attack, right? Oh, I thought the spell was that second attack. So the spell's a bonus action. If you take the attack action, you get to attack two times. Okay. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I'll use my longsword again. Go for it. 13? Nah, boy, that ain't gonna do it. All right. Unfortunately, (laughs) let me remind you of something. You also have the Divine Smite ability. It deals radiant damage. In your case, it's going to deal necrotic damage, okay? Holy crap. What if you're healing the thing? Um, I'm just letting you know, <laughs> if you use that, it's, it's 2d8s for one spell slot. If you go up to second spell slot, it's 3d8s. And if you hit something, you can just use it. And it does an extra 1d8 against undead or fiends. Oh, boy. Okay. So, in the future, that might be something you want to keep in mind. Saul, yeah. your turn. Yeah. Okay, so... Am I in the center of the three or not? Yeah. Because I kind of like to circle towards its back, if possible. Yeah, so you can do that. Like circling away from our vampire friend, like the opposite way that he's going. Yeah. And once I get to the side of said Belor, I'm going to do Mm. that holy fire. And I want to to stab him. You stab him with your Paylor rapier. Oh, yeah. That'll hit, boy. Okay. I want to remind you a couple things. First of all, sneak attack. Sneak attack. Second of all, you can also do a divine smite. I mean to do my divine smite. Sneak attack. Here, there's 10 sneak attack damage. Uh Uh-huh. And then... You need to roll your regular sword damage. Seven. You need to roll your 2d6 of radiant fire damage. So many damage. 10 more. Or no, eight, sorry. Then you can do your smite if you want to. You can do up to second level. Second level would be 3d8s. I'm doing the 3d8s. Okay. I'm going all in. I mean, yeah, just to smoke them if you got them territory. Not bad. 16. Woo! Man. This one's partially filleted already. You're not going to believe this. You don't kill it or anything. I said you're not going to believe this like it was about to be something crazy. But you just dealt it 65 <laughs> damage. That's <laughs> insane, <laughs> Get out of my house. Give me my sword. It's not that good. It's going to kill me next <laughs> turn. You sneak up behind it and you stab it. And at first it's like, that's nothing to me. Then, pulsing out of it comes the burning flame and the divine smite of Paylor into its back. And this thing lets out a roaring scream. It is very, very displeased with what just went down. Good. Very displeased. <laughs> is that the end of your turn? Wait, I get a cunning action, though, don't I? You can dash, disengage, or um, hide, I think. But hiding might be difficult right now. Yeah, I'm going to disengage. Okay, kind of pull back away from him a little bit. Yep. All right, Gus. It's my turn? It is your turn. So he probably whipped around me and pulled me towards him? Uh, Yes, he did. Okay. Well, it's going to take my action, but I want to cast Polymorph. Okay. Oh, yeah. On myself. Into? A giant ape. 
Okay. Yes. You're a giant ape. A giant fungal ape. You are a giant ape. So am I like maybe as tall as this guy now? I'll have to look and see just how big a giant ape is. It just says huge. It doesn't say how big it is. It doesn't. Well, he is also huge. So pr- pretty similar in size. Uh, he's definitely focusing on you right now. You did it. Uh, but that takes your action? Yeah, it takes one action. Anything else? He throws his poop at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your two zombie poop, poop. dudes come up to it. Try to attack it. Roll me a couple 20s and tell me what you get. Mm, it's an 8 and a 9. Nah, they both miss, unfortunately. At this moment, Minnie steps up. She stands up and then comes up behind you and is going to try and slash down on this thing's whip to cut it loose from around you uh, or around your legs. Uh, she's going to roll an attack roll here. Around my legs? Well, the thing's still got you wrapped up in that whip. I guess it's a pretty big whip. It's a very big whip. Watch me whip. I'll say that she hits it and she she cuts the whip loose from you. Um, and then it is going to be Bilderbro's turn. Oh, yeah. So I had just realized that uh, Mage Armor is uh, a spell that lasts for eight hours. So I could have like put this on at the beginning of the adventure, but uh, mm. that would be that would be too easy. Um, I do want to cast Mage Armor so that I at least have some decent armor uh, that would bring me to 15. And then for my sorcery points, what I want to do is I would like to uh, use Quickened Spell. Right. Okay. And so is it flying or what's what's the deal it's with it? It's on the ground. Right it, is, it is, yeah, it's face to face with a giant ape. Do we say we're kind of in, are we all together as, or is he like five, five feet away from him or what's the deal? He's standing right, he's like five feet. Yeah. He's like five feet next to Saul, five feet next to Gus. Okay. Let me ask you if this is cool. If not, then that's okay. So not cool. Wall of fire. Oh. If I were to cast wall of fire around all of us and I place it not on Nephile, but if I place it on the Balor will we be okay and it only hurts him so it's a 60 foot wall that's 20 feet high or a ringed wall up to 20 feet in diameter 20 feet high and one foot thick okay you're wanting it to pass through this thing essentially if you you can try that if you do it's going to separate Saul from uh, the rest of you okay I guess I I guess I will just throw a gigantic fireball at it. Uh, I'm going to do that. You throw a fireball at him. A bright streak flashes out from your finger. It uh, gets right up on it, and it explodes. Mm. What level? It's going to be fourth level. The fire explodes, and the Baylor takes a deep breath and just sucks all the fire in like it does nothing to him. No mm. That's what I was worried about. Because he is immune to fire damage. Unfortunately. Wow. I look at myself and I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's what happens. He doesn't, like, get stronger or anything, but he is unaffected by your fires. Oh, I should have started at, like, a lower level, but that's okay. The purple fires <laughs> around him, like, 
burn brighter. And now it's his turn. And he runs. He is going to attack the giant grill. By the way, does the giant grill still have the staff in its hand? Yes. He's going to attack you. He's going to slash you with a longsword. What's your armor class is in a giant grill? 12. To hit, just roll this in a hurry. Rolling, rolling. 22 damage. Okay. The second one is miraculously a flipping hit. He rolled a two. Wow. Mm. And the last one, he's going to use his whip again. Take 14 damage, and then fire comes up, and it's going to try and burn you uh, for another 10 fire damage. So you take 24 more damage. That's a lot of damage. That's a lot of damage. Just pouring it into you. Then, Heath, it's your turn. All right. You use that divine smite. Okay, go hit him. Smack it. What is this vampire with holy magic? What is happening? Holy cow. (laughs) You hit it. So 3d8, you said? So do 1d10 first. 13. 13 damage. Then uh, you're using divine smite. You're doing second level? Yeah. So 3d8s. 17. Okay, okay. You just dump this black energy into it when you stab him with your sword, which is kind of surprising to you. You weren't necessarily expecting that to be what happened. You weren't really sure what would happen. This is the first time you've had to call upon that power probably since all this has happened to you. Uh, it doesn't seem nearly as effective as Saul's attack, but it's still quite effective. And the pieces of this thing are disintegrating and falling off of it. Big chunks yes. of moss and uh, mushrooms and just pieces of its nice. body. And it is calling out and roaring. And Saul, it is your turn. I have two actions, right? Oh, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead and attack Hit him it again. again. Hit him again. Okay, can I use Divine Smite on that too? So it says when you hit with a melee weapon, you can expend one spell slot. Uh, it doesn't say anything about only once per turn. So yeah, you can do it again. Okay. Uh-oh. Natural one. Oh, oh no. boy. Critical fail. <laughs> you bring your sword up to slash him a second time. He like twitches when you stab him that first time. And before you can bring the sword back up, he's going to swing his sword. Uh, he's going to swing around and collide with you and sends you flying. And you're going to take, oh, wow, I rolled maximum damage. You're going to take 12 damage Yikes. as you go flying in and smack the wall. Ouch. <laughs> okay. Now it's Saul's turn. Saul. Uh, yeah, Saul immediately is going to go right back in, hopefully towards its back this time. Yes. And uh, wants to take that rapier and, and slide it up between its spine and its ribs. All right. Come on. Roll it. No. You got caught in the corner. Uh-oh. That is not a hit. It was almost a 13. Two-weapon fighting? Yeah, you can try and get him with your uh, with your dagger of Vinraya. I'm going to try to dagger Vinraya. It's a hit. That's going to be a hit. Okay, so roll the regular damage. And then do I have another spell slot to Divine Smite? Well, you have you have sneak attack, so go ahead and roll your sneak attack. Get it, boy. <laughs> Saul just gives out so much damage. Yeah, 12 sneak attack. You have first level slots. Okay. Holy magic, 7. Okay. Light that dagger up. So, 20 plus 14 is 34 damage altogether. Again, you miss with your sword. You come around and stab up with your dagger. It burns around your hand. It doesn't actually cause you damage, but you can feel the heat coming off this thing. It's not the first time you fought one of these bad boys, although it's the first time you've ever fought one in this form. As you drive with your Paylor energy 
34 damage into its back and it yells out with a roaring scream and Gus. So I still have that spear in my hand. Yep. Nice. I want to ram that into him. Roll it. Oh. What am I rolling? It's an attack roll. Oh. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you advantage. Oh. Okay. So it's an 18. Oh. You rolled an 18? <laughs> yeah, get in yep. there, boy. At the very least, it's your strength. So that's a 24. I'm going to say you don't necessarily have proficiency with this weapon. Right. But a 24 is enough. 24. Go ahead and roll me a D10 plus 6. Times like 50 million. <laughs> <laughs> so I rolled a 2 on the D10. Okay. So roll another D10. That's another 2. Where do you stab it? In the gut. In the, just right in the middle. Yep. You stab it. You know, it just kind of sticks in there. Doesn't really seem all that effective. Mm. Then. Oh. You hear that drum. And then a flash of bright orange light burns out from, like, a bunch of spots all around this thing's body. It roars as this radiant orange light burns out through it. I mean, it is crazy. It's screaming. It kind of, like, clawing at its chest, and then it just pops. For the record, you guys had it down to three hit points without the effect of the of the shard. How? That's crazy. It explodes. Pieces of it go all around the room. Uh, the black smoke it, it spreads, thins, and dies. That's disgusting. Glad I could help, guys. Yeah, good thing you didn't die. <laughs> I built a rose. So sorry. I, I pound my chest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hey, guys, I could tell that y'all were uh, having some issues with that, so I, I'm glad that I was able to really step it up there for you guys. What is, Gus, do you go back from being a... Yes, I do. You come back down as a undead mushroom person. Okay. Saul, like, dashes up in front of him, takes a knee. Uh, fun guy, you have exactly what I need to avenge Atonia. Hmm. So you see him like he's he's elven, but mossy. Still got that mushroom eye and all that stuff. Holding the staff in your hands, Gus Nephiel, you hold it up, and that orange light is still kind of glowing and pulsing. And as it does, it, it sort of glows onto your body like a bright light. It's hard for you to look at it, uh, Heath. And all of the moss and the mushrooms and all of that stuff like starts to just roll off of him. And his body is essentially restored. But it's not just like, it's not like, oh, all this stuff's falling off of him and dying. It's almost like he's being split in two. Oh. Um, wow. Like, wow. Uh, you know, when a cell reproduces of itself. Yeah. That's kind of what happens. And suddenly there are two of you staying there. One, a short, now pretty much completely made of moss and mushrooms, dude. And... An elf with dark hair. And he turns and looks down at you, Gus. Hello, friend. <laughs> Hello, Gus. I'm sorry to take this back, but 
I think it's better this way, don't you? All of the other undead around the room just kind of kneel. Like they're down on their hands and knees, their faces covered in their hands. I have to say thank you to all of you for what you've done. Putting yourself at great risk to come here. Even you, Gus, he says. (laughs) But this piece of power, it is not... This corruption, if you look around, it is not caused by Atonia. Atonia's power would not do such a thing. This light, which has restored me, that is from her. It would appear that some of her essence is stored inside this shard. And before I can relinquish it, there is something I must do. Shard of pure evil, man. He holds up his hand, and the tree starts moving. The floor beneath you guys starts lifting up on a giant tree-like vine stretching up, and you guys go basically crashing upward uh, through this chasm, you know, just just busting your way through. It's loud, it's crazy, kind of scary. You hear Paldo in the next room over just screaming at the top of his lungs. Uh, and then finally it comes to a slowing stop at the edge of the chasm. Nephiel walks forward. He steps out again onto the earth. He walks around. He walks over to the edge and it is cold, icy, snowy. There's a great oak tree that is dead standing there, blackened. It's almost like an orange fog, like a gas looking, almost coming off the end of this shard. He takes it, he holds it up, and he stabs it into the earth. Oh. When he does, there is a moment where nothing happens. And then all around where he stabbed it, bright, lush, green grass starts growing. Yes! Not far, just a patch 30 feet all around this tree. The tree is still dead. The grass grows all around it. And then up right behind where he stabbed this thing into the earth, there grows a small sapling springing up with three leaves grown out from it in three directions. One orange, one green, and one red. And then when he is done, he uh, pulls the weapon back out. And holding it in his hand, the black shaft that holds the shard disintegrates and the piece of stone falls down to the earth. And it's a tiny little sliver about three or four inches long, not more than half an inch in diameter. Just a little sliver of a shard. And he picks it up. It's black, but in the light, sometimes it looks blue, sometimes it looks green, sometimes it looks orange. And he walks over to you, Saul. This is why you have come. Uh, yes, yes. That, that is why I'm here. Trying to save Manumi. Perhaps it can be used. Blackfire. He is a being of unfathomable power. He seeks to bring back the Crooked Father. I don't know that this will help you, but I offer it to you with such aid as I have. It is much appreciated. I'll, I will cut his ears off with it. He doesn't know what to say to that. <laughs> he turns to the four of you. There is 
Much to be done here. I hope that this seed that has remained of Atonia's power will restore this place. We will not give up. But my brethren and my sisters, he says, turning back and looking toward the Corrine and the chasm, they are suffering. I must tend to their suffering. He looks over at Gus. <laughs> Would you like to help me? Yes. We're friends, aren't we? We are, we are friends. More friends. <laughs> he, he starts walking toward the Corrine. Does Gus go with him? Yeah. Oh, and Heath. Yes. Would you also like to help me? I would. I think I think we could do great things. Perhaps when all this is finished, I might be able to find a way to help you. Yeah. Hey, boy. So the three of you guys walk into the Corrine? Yes. Yep. I do. Well, bro, next is gathering an army. I think you have some expertise in that. I stood and, and watched you a lot and, and honestly I studied a lot of the moves that you made in the hells. Uh, a lot of memories are coming back so I believe that my uh, my days as my millennia or thousands of years however long uh, I've got a little tricks up my sleeve you'll make an excellent captain thank you my prince uh, I also want to say that I apologize for the deceitfulness earlier and uh I hope that what you do can save all of this land, because while it still smells, I believe that for now I can call it home. It is a fine one. It is. You guys go walking off into the woods holding hands? <laughs> skipping. <laughs> we do. We, we walk off holding hands and skipping along until the sunset. You guys, you guys walk into the forest, I guess, heading out from here together, Saul. You have the shard. Yeah, I do. And the stone. And the stone. And I take out the shard and I stab the stone. No, I'm scared. As you guys exit, you guys begin to ascend the hill leading out. The other three step back into the Corrine. There's a fluttering of wings. Uh-uh. And a big fat crow lands on a branch looking down over you guys. And that's where we're going to end this episode. In the background, you see Gus turning, making mushrooms grow everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere he goes, there's just mushrooms growing all over the place. Jeffrey, remember, you're the you're the bush enchanter, so you have to... Yep. Yes. You're the bush enchanter! Alright, guys. Uh, thank you so much for playing D&D with us. Yeah, it's been a blast. good times. Thank you. It's been awesome. Yeah. Ready to play more. Hope that you guys enjoyed it, uh, and hope that you all out there in listener land enjoyed listening to it. But that is uh, that's going to do it for this adventure, and uh, well, we'll see you next time and see what maybe happens with all of this in the future. Thanks for listening. We love you. Love. Goodbye. 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 I'm rolling. And you hear the sound of, of crashing and breaking. 
as if something is just tearing through that room back there. Is that the drum? <laughs> you giving me the, the drum bowl? Yeah. Drums. Yeah. Drums in the deep. Oh, no. And at the bottom of it, you see a dragon. something. Uh, Orange in color. A dragon. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> Definitely not. It's here. 